This episode is brought to you by Tabletop Dominion, purveyors of handmade dice and artisan gaming accessories. Why not head over to tabletopdominion.com and use the code BELLOW to enjoy 10% off your order. Who knows, maybe you will find your very own blue dice of power. Welcome to the Billowing Hilltop podcast. I am joined in the command center by a friend of the show, Mike. Hello, Mike. Hello, Mike. Come in. Yeah, you might have to bend down a bit to yeah. Sorry. Find a spot. Ooh. Squeeze in any. Don't. Yeah. Sit anywhere. Like, no. Don't touch that. Don't touch that. Are you sure I can sit on this? It look, I think it might. It's be, not. It no. Might be Uncle don't Bucky. sit on that. That's that's Johnny's specially adapted high chair. <laughs> Mike is a faithful reader of the Hilltop, and he is coming here to talk to us about his debut novel. It is your debut novel? Is that right? It is. Yes. Absolutely. The Warlock at Ridge Valley. Mike, tell us about The Warlock at Ridge Valley. Tell us all about it and writing it and what it's about and everything. Well, as you said, I'm a, a long-time a long-time reader. Um, I would say listener, but that's crazy. Nobody listens to podcasts these days, do they? Nah. So I've been I've been following along for a long time, and I've been playing D&D and role-playing games for even longer, back when Noah used to wear short trousers to school. And that's that's important in the uh, in the genesis of my story. Uh, look at that. Two Bible references in one go. That's amazing. It's uh, entirely accidental. It's not songs of praise, Mike. Anyway, let's, yeah, let's push on. <laughs> so it's got role-playing games, as it were, in its... Um, in its core. In, in, right, in its, its core. core. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so I, I've, I've been playing Dungeons & Dragons and various other role-playing games for a very long time. What you may not know is I'm also a partly qualified and working towards becoming a therapeutic counsellor. Um, this I did not know. No, I don't. I don't tend to talk about it huge amounts. Whether I'll get there, I've no idea. Um, I'm certainly in doing the training. Um, Do you want to practice on Lucas? <laughs> I don't think I'm quite there yet. <laughs> I'll practice on Johnny. <laughs> Ooh, okay. <laughs> yeah, start with Johnny. Yeah. Start with Johnny, and then we'll start working your way up. <laughs> so one of okay, anyway, one sorry. of the things that I'm I'm particularly passionate about within that is is men, men's health. Obviously, that's yeah. important. We're generally, and I realise I'm stereotyping, but generally we're not great at talking about our our problems. But also, not. very much our young people, so children, late teens, young adults. Yeah, they're part of a world that I look into and think I'm very glad that I'm not part of that anymore the the whole instant instant everything so messaging on demand and all, all that sort of stuff it's it's fabulous it gives them unparalleled ability to be part of everything but it also comes at a price and i think that price is often paid by mental health right it, yes it, it breaks my little heart when you know i hear my kids or i see them having wranglings on on chat with lots of friends and so-and-so's not opened my message i think that's called airing them or something or oh, okay. i've been oh, okay. left unread and and it it's such a challenge and it's it's something very important to me that we identify that and i've i've long wanted to to write a book and it came to me really that i could sort of combine all of my passions into one book yeah and i've sort of thought about it and planned it but never really did anything about doing it until Last year, there's a concept called NaNoWriMo, National Novelist Writing Month. Yes. You may have seen it. It, it sort of becomes... Yeah, no, I did see yeah, it. It becomes yeah, yeah, a bit yeah. of a hashtag around late October and into November. Yeah. So I decided I was going to give it a go. Uh, so I signed up yeah. and I blooming well did it. <laughs> the idea is that you, you write 50,000 words in, in one month. 
And I was very lucky. I got made redundant halfway through that. <laughs> so I oh. continued to write and I had during the daytime to write as well. So I managed to write nearly 80,000 words and I finished my book on the maybe the 3rd or 4th of December. So it took me five weeks to write. What's 80,000 words in like pages? Um, Sorry, I think it's generally it's about three, 350. So it's a... Blimey. It's a, so that's like a full on... Okay, yeah. Yeah, a proper proper novel size. So Amazing. what I've done and what The Warlock at Ridge Valley is about, it's, it's essentially, it's a story about a teenager who's lost his father. His mum and him have moved from where they lived amongst all his friends to a smaller city so that they could be closer to grandparents for help and for money reasons and all that kind of stuff and he has to start again at a new school he's a little bit awkward he's prone to overthinking has societal anxiety and all all those sorts of things and the idea is that he then uses role-playing he used to do role-playing with his father he uses role-playing to try out strategies and techniques for overcoming his fears in real life by watching how his character Got it. does those things yes. in in a fantasy game. Now, because they're telling a fantasy story, you've then got two stories. You've got the story of the of the young lad, but you've also got the fantasy story set in the, the mystical it. brood forest just outside of Callum's oh. Reach where the evil and malevolent Josephine is plotting something nefarious. There's two stories in one, but they echo off each other. Exactly. They rhyme with each other. Exactly, yes. So they're, they're, it's an interlaced story. Um, it's a, So he's a warlock in the fantasy thread. Absolutely. Does he just keep casting Eldritch Blast over and over again? Like, <laughs> No, he does not. It's very much set. Okay, not that kind, not of, that kind of warlock. It's, it's set using low fantasy so there's not a lot of magic he is he yeah he's probably a little bit like the witcher that kind of style of character low magic there is magic in the world but uh, not many people have got it and it's all about his colin the the young lad it's about his personal growth and about sebastian the, the warlock it's about his personal growth and how the two meld together okay well you mustn't tell us any more about the story because i suspect at that point I don't want to know what happens next. And I can understand how that story will connect to what you were talking about earlier. And where can we get The Warlock at Ridge Valley? So, I've self-published it. It is available on Amazon. Oh, okay. Yeah, Yeah. I've heard of that. uh, Yeah, they do lots of bookie type things for Kindle or for paperback. Um, It's on Kindle Unlimited if you are a Netflix for reading. I have a Kindle somewhere. If I could also be very, very cheeky and say, if you do read it, it would be great if you could leave a five-star Rating and review. That's hugely important to you're pushing it an open oh, I door. I know, absolutely, I, they, absolutely. <laughs> while you're while you're leaving, Mike, a five star review for the Warlock at Ridge Valley. Why not pop over to your podcast app of choice? It, <laughs> it, it doesn't have to be five stars for us. Just to be honest, but it's quite good to get reviews. We like to know where we are. Yeah, it's so important. The algorithms yeah. do pick up yeah. on reviews and things like that. Interactions, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Now, how's your gaming life at the moment? Because you've played through the Age of Worms. I have right? played through the Age of Worms. I finished, finished the it. Age of Worms. Wow, we've got mile after dismal mile to go. Yeah. Right? they're not even in the story anymore. They've wandered I, off. I, I must. They've wandered I've off. Been and... listening, obviously. I'm, uh, I'm up to, I'm up to date. But yeah. yes, I, I keep listening and thinking. I don't recall that bit from uh, Age of Worms. Never leave the path. That's what they say. Yeah. But we've left the path. So I mean, it's fine because it's 
emergent and it's all good stuff isn't it i'm enjoying where we are it's just that we've got we still haven't finished book eight and we've got 12 books in total so we're all still going to be here if the planet is still here in a year's time so will we trudging through it and then you've been playing you've been playing i know you play a strad game because i've been following on your socials so so i'm very lucky actually i play i'm in three different games every other monday is strad um and that's yes that's fabulous we're uh, we're level eight now, going great guns. It's it's brilliant. Honestly, it's some of the most immersive role playing I've ever played. On a Thursday, wow. I play in a Starfinder campaign, which is which yes. is interesting. Space fighty fighty. Well, yes, it, it. It, it's the one we're playing, which I Horizons of the Vast. It's called. We're on a new space planet, yeah. and we're setting up a colony, and we're dealing with the other stuff that's already on that planet. Oh, it's like Kingmaker in space. Yeah, basically. Which is great, yeah. because I'm not the most science fiction-y, space fighty-fighty person anyway, but the other one I'm doing is on an alternate Monday. I'm basic fantasying yes. with some, some other friends, and I'm really enjoying that too. I really like basic fantasy role-playing. Graham, dear readers, you know Graham, ran some basic fantasy role-playing at our last great gathering of the Elders. Really good fun. Johnny disgraced himself with his character. As it's always. just great to get back to what it was when we were kids. Oh, well, don't it do was. that. It was. <laughs> uh, it is quite interesting to play games that have got very little in them and work out how much you fill the gaps with your imagination. Yeah. I, I think. I, I think that's why I enjoy it. Ticking all my boxes, really. I get. I get great horror with Strad. Get a bit of real meaty tactical games yeah, with yeah. Starfinder, and I get storytelling, basic fantasy. And interestingly, yeah. I sort of used a little bit of that technique with the writing of the book. I left oh, Yes, bring it back around. Love it. I'm a great fan of not planning when I'm DMing in Basic Fantasy. So I tend to use random tables and consulting oracles and things like that in order yes. to, to see what's happening next. And that was a technique that I used in the writing of the book. So this is the Sebastian thread, the brood Absolutely. forest thread. So we came into a, a new Got it. a new area within the Sebastian story. Is there something in there? Well, let's ask the Oracle. So I asked the Oracle and got a yes, but. So I used it to prompt my story. Getting into that, if you're saying that the fantasy story thread informs or drives developments in the real world story thread, is that how it worked? In the sense that Colin's story, the lessons that he learns or that he pulls from his life for Sebastian... They are actually lessons that have partially been generated by basically random tables. Yes, well, sort of. There were there were some there, yes, but. yes, but indeed there were some things that I knew I wanted and needed to to get in. Yeah, right. That's that's kind of yeah, where so, I was headed. Yes, exactly. So, for example, you know, there are themes of dealing with cyclical thoughts of uh, you know, overthinking, and I, I knew I wanted to yeah. reflect that within within the fantasy side of the story. So I Got worked it. out how I was going to do that. But but generally, the settings and uh, scenes, a lot of that was was randomly generated because you've got certain milestones in the real world story that you've got to yeah, yeah I understand so it's a kind of combination of the two well it's really interesting thank you Mike thanks for coming into the command pod uh, the warlock at Ridge Valley readers check it out there'll be a link in our show notes but you can just do a search on Amazon for the warlock at Ridge Valley by Mike Hibbert as always we're grateful for ratings and reviews almost as grateful as Mike would be <laughs> very much so <laughs> and the social media platform proliferation it's easy for me to say 
is just crazy. So now we're on threads, we post on Instagram, we post on Facebook, and we're still on the hell site that is Twitter, just because kind of people still are. It's almost like everybody's trying to maintain a conversation while the background noise gets increasingly shrill and difficult. But hey, there we go. So yes, you can find us at Billowing Hilltop on all of those platforms and at Billowing Hilltop on Twitter because we haven't got a P at the end because Paul forgot to add it. Otherwise, I have no other news or information. Thanks for coming in to talk to us, Mike. Thank you very much for having me. I love what you've done with this place. It's certainly a lot nicer and tidier than last time I came in. Well, we've had a team of specialist cleaners come in and and have a bit of a go. Anyway, let's push on with episode 153. And it's an Uncle Buggy special, Mike. So there we are. Fabulous. Of the Billowing (laughs) Hotel podcast, Unwholesome Prison Blooms. Good morning. What time is it with you? Good afternoon with Johnny. Hello, readers. Johnny's on the other side of the world. Or rather, I'm on the other side of the world. Johnny's on the right. Anyway, I don't know. It's just me and Johnny. Hello. Tonight's beer is tea. We're going to do some stuff with Uncle Buggy. That doesn't sound right. Let us... I don't know what to do here. Uncle Buggy, Uncle Buggy, Uncle Buggy. Why don't we talk about where you were and what was going on? Because I think you probably, in the weeks since we last spoke, it may not be clear to you kind of where we are. Yes. A quick scene setty thing. Don't worry, no recap. You were all in Marcus's lake bed lair in True Spire Island in the hopes of finding some advice or something, I don't know, to try and fix what seems to be wrong with Burple and Parker, who drank potions that seem to have had an unforeseen and unfortunate effect upon them. Yeah. When you got to Marcus's lair, you found Scaly O'Toole in a tank to halt the progression of the same problem because Scaly had drunk from one of these bottles. A decision was yeah. taken to see if they could teleport through to somewhere called the Red Blades. The Red Blades is a merchant organization in Frostanger that Scaly and Bondi had determined was the source of the bottles, the specific, rather specific ah, yes. bottles that were used to contain these potions. I got some jars, haven't I, with worms in. I don't know if they're related to these. You do. In your bag of-, of holding, you've got these are slightly different. So the, the, the Twelve you have jars collected, of- there seems to be a bit of a theme running through since in fact your initial encounter with Ilthane out in the swamp with the lizard folk of you finding rather kind of distinctively made crystal quite hefty bottles normally with something that seems to be some kind of beneficial potion in it you've also found some jars with worms in them in the ziggurat in the spire of long shadows those worms you did a little bit of research because they were you found them in a library and your determination was that ingesting those worms with some degree of risk could impart upon the ingester some knowledge like neo in the matrix when he gets plugged in to learn kung fu oh i see like the worm buries itself into your mind and imparts to you some kind of mental yeah uh, okay it's slightly different from these potions that enhance your ability or seem to enhance your abilities as far as you can tell the potions that burple parker and scaly drank did enhance their abilities Something else seems to be going on that means that they're feeling increasingly uncomfortable about what might be going on inside them. And when you were at Marcus's lair, you were shown what seems to grow inside somebody who drinks one of these potions, this thing with little gossamer-like Something filaments. out of Alien. Yeah. There were a couple of uh, vials of what seemed to be potions of healing with the same vials. They were. Not quite the same. Di- not in the design. same they weren't decanter. Not the same distinctive bottle design, No. That doesn't mean that they're safe. Yeah, but, I don't know. think I'll drink. Where we left things, Marcus was sending you to Frosthanger through one of his magic teleporty windows. Just at the moment, he says, shred them through. And he went, oh no, that's not right. You do not end up in Frosthanger. 
Instead, oh. all you can experience is a sudden, harsh, blinding green light all around you. You're just suspended. Uh, you can't really feel your own body. It's just like you're a consciousness just in this universe of awful green light. There's a sort of keening, screeching, like a tone running through mm. you. What you realize is that what seems to be a darkness that's growing in your peripheral vision is in fact this light receding from you so that actually it becomes a shape in front of you. And you realize that what that shape is, is an eye socket. And you're looking at a skull. You're looking at a black skull floating before you and receding from you with this green light shining through the jaw and the eye sockets. You're just floating before it. The further away it recedes, the more that you're surrounded by darkness, the smaller it becomes like a pinpoint of light as it does so. The scream builds and builds and builds and builds and then is gone. And you get the strangest sensation, Buggy. A really weird sense of deceleration. And you're dropped into a nightmare. It's a drowning nightmare. It's the sense that you can't breathe, that you can't take a breath, you can't fill your lungs. You're surrounded by water, fluid, something. Image of scaly in that tank flashes through your mind because it's just such a recent oh. experience and you kind of get a weird sense of empathy there's no escaping you seem to be completely surrounded by this liquid this sense that you're drowning it's imperative that you take a breath but you know that when you take a breath that you'll be bringing this liquid into your mm -hmm. lungs but eventually you cannot help but submit to that imperative you take a breath you can feel your body coming back to you the last thing you remember as you start to drop down into sleep is this weird little impression, a figure that seems to be dancing around in exultation, triumph, going, it worked, it worked. Mm. And then the darkness grabs you and you sink down and down into the depths. You awaken. You're lying on some kind of rough, knobbly surface. You feel exhausted. You're absolutely spent. You're naked, you think, apart from a light, rather coarse shift, like a kind of nightshirt, something made out of something almost like sackcloth. You can feel it between okay, your Okay, I don't have my weapon. I don't have my axe. Don't have anything. Oh, shit. You can hear a creaking, like the creaking of a gibbet swinging on its rope and it's dark is it you can hear a clock ticking from the same direction that you might be able to detect the most very faint residual greenish light this is if you turn oh. your head as you're lying down the ticking of the clock is kind of echoing it sounds like you're in caverns or something because it's got that kind of hollow reverberation the ticking of the clock there's another sound you're not sure what it is maybe it's some sort of mechanism a machine or something moving and you can smell something, a smell that you recognize, a smell that you're all too familiar with, Uncle Buggy. Ghoul stench. That sweet, sickly, decaying smell of flesh corruption. I do a light spell. On. You reach for the power of Irisi, and you've lost your connection to your god. You have no... No spells. Shit. Towers. You can't... Death. The source of your... <laughs> divine power. <laughs> the spells that you have memorized from the day before, those are your spells, right? That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. You don't lose your light spell, 
as you try and mm. cast it because you're incapable of doing so. You've still got in your mind the incantations that you memorize, right? That you prepare. You just can't access the power that would make those spells come into existence. Yeah. What do you want to okay. do? Do you want to move? Right. Do you want to? What do you want to do? Just looking at my barbarian feats and my racial traits, if they something you can't take away from me that, that might help. Uh, right. No. Okay, I'm going to move. I'm going to listen first. I'm going to spend a good make a perception check to yeah. see if I can hear Lying anything. Lying in the darkness. Okay. Yeah. You don't need to make a perception check. It's more about inferring, deducing what things might be. If you lie there in the darkness still and listen for a while... And I'm going to be completely quiet. I'm going to yeah, just start not, breathing yeah. very shallowly, absolutely okay, gotcha. still. And yes. I'll try and feel... Well, I'm going to be... No, I'll be completely still. Just listen. In terms of the sounds, the ticking clock is a background to everything. Ticking in seconds? Yeah, just like a... Is it a clock? Sounds like the slow ticking of a grandfather clock. One, like one second intervals. Okay. Yes. The weird mechanical sound goes in fits and starts. It's not very loud. It's not very often. But something moves. It sounds quite grating. The other thing that you can pick up is the sound of a fire. We're going to give you a north or an up. Readers, we are playing theatre of the mind. But if we were on a map, which we aren't, maybe we will be later. Let's say that north and up are the same thing. In that direction, that's where the light is coming from. Maybe you can What's work out if you lie. Is it hot as if you're on a heat? No, it's cold where you are. Like the coolness of a cellar. Okay. You think that there may Stale be some air? kind of... Any breeze, fresh air coming from here? Or is it apart from this There's horrible stench? There's no breeze. No, the air is still. The only thing in the air is this awful ghoul stench. Not musty, dusty. Like a, if anything, it's slightly damp. Again, like a cellar. A cellar. Yeah. Or caverns or something. What I can say is that in that weird northerly direction that we've established, that is where the light is coming from. And there is a mixture of a sort of slightly more visible, now that your eyes adjust, greenish glow coming from a space to your north. Maybe it's an opening. And then you think you can detect the very faintest flicker of what might be regular firelight, but it's buried almost in this greenish glow. And you can hear occasionally the crackling of that fire, but it's quite faint to you. The final thing that you pick up and you lie there maybe for, I don't know how long we're talking about you lying there, for 20 minutes, half an hour, you hear movement. You're pretty certain that it's a creature of some sort. By a creature, I mean like a rat or a mouse. It's coming from the same direction as the light and the ticking of the clock. It gets nearer and nearer to you. You can hear a kind of squeak and a sort of bit of scrambling and then it recedes again. So there's some life here, something here. That's pretty All right, much. Right, I do have beast sense, and I do have uh-huh. speak with animals. I, it says cast at will. It's divination, yeah. so I don't, it, uh, it's a barbarian it's thing. Not, it's a ritual that you have to perform to cast those spells. The power doesn't come from Irisi. That power comes from your barbarian heritage. Yes. And you feel like that is not denied to you. Oh, great. So I've got beast sense, and I've also got speak with animals, similar um, yeah, barbarian you thing. Do. You can gain the ability to comprehend and verbally communicate with beasts for the duration. The knowledge and awareness yep. of many beasts is limited to their intelligence, but as a minimum, they yep. give you information about locations, monsters, where they perceived yep. over the past day. Yeah. Okay. Any other 
sounds or no that's what you pick up now do you want to try and feel around and learn a little bit more about your environment yeah i'll feel beneath me and i'll also whisper in ratish you need to spend 10 minutes casting the ritual so that's going oh, to casting time 10 minutes it's semantic so just waving my hands is that okay so do component. you want to do that first or do you want to feel uh, around no i'll feel around first to... well it doesn't take you long to establish your surroundings you're in a cage you're in a wooden cage oh. it, <laughs> it's circular great and you're very small buggy you're about three and a half foot tall this thing is probably 15 feet across you can unsteadily get up onto your knobbly knees and yep. the reason the floor felt weird and ridgy is because it's actually like a woven basket work effect so there's there's gaps yeah. you can put your finger your fingers j- just through the gaps no wonder mm. it's a bit uncomfortable and there are kind of joins where it's all structured and woven together as so far as you can tell the sides of the cage slope inwards and as you move or roll around it starts to swing get the sense that you're in a cage that's suspended suspended and I'm alone from, in the cage i hope i think you can probably establish that you're alone unless there's something invisible in the cage with you that's not making any noise as it rotates ever so slowly with you in it you can see the bars of the cage you can make them out just as they swing past the light to your north and can i work out how high i am off the ground in relation to the light give me an intelligence check i'm not very small am i okay minus one think you're guesstimating but let's just see how good your guesstimate is i get a two uh, okay, you can't. One then, no. All oh, right. no, no, because you didn't roll a one, so you can't use your halfling luck. I presume you don't want to use your Oort dice. If indeed no. Oort is present with you, you can't work All it All right, out. I'm going to spend ten minutes waving my hands in the air. Yes. Doing speak with animals. Okay, not very long after you start moving around. Let's say a minute. You've started doing a ten minutes worth of interpretive dance, whatever <laughs> it is. You hear a grinding sound coming from the direction that you've detected the ticking clock and the firelight from and something starts thumping towards you from the distance would you like to keep doing your ritual sounds like do you remember the anvil of thump the gnomes in the giant suits of armor oh yeah it sounds like one of them oh shit so it's a sort of golem a golem golem a golem <laughs> it's a golem it's a golem is it something heading towards is... me <laughs> it is it's, it's oh dear oh no it's a golem it's a golem I'm going to lie on the floor <laughs> of the cage <laughs> and stop it swinging okay and um, as this carry thing on waving approaches my hands. you can see some light it is of itself illuminated let me put you on a map and you can see what you can see so I'm in a cave you're in a cave this figure trudges into view it's medium sized some kind of automaton and a soft pale green light issuing from it is what enables you to see your surroundings it's sort of wiggly worm green is it it's a different type of green no 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 Uh, well I mean it's that nasty sickly green illumination that seems to be so often associated with Kios and all Kios's horrible little servants but this thing does not seem to be some kind of undead or anything. It seems to be sightless. Metal. It doesn't seem to be particularly interested in you. It just stomps into the chamber. It's holding in front of it, in one hand, held like a waiter would hold a tray of drinks, a shallow wooden bowl of some goop of some sort. We'll get to that My in dinner. a moment. In its other hand, it's holding a key. 
the cave is there's some junk in this cave, bits and bobs, scraps of stuff, bits of broken casks or crates or something pushed up against some of the walls. The cave itself is about 20 foot tall and the base of your cage is about 10 foot off the floor. Your cage itself is about six or seven foot high, you realise. And then it's connected, you can see, by a chain and a rope. And that rope goes up and goes through some sort of iron ring that is uh, riveted into the ceiling. That's the situation. Right. What sort of rock? You think What's the geology like? It looks like is it's it, granite. Is it the sort of rock that I've been encountering in the tunnels beneath even star or the rock? No. Well, I'm I familiar tell with you what it's like. Geologic time. It does spark a memory. It's like a mountain cave. It's like something you'd find in the Newell Mountains. You notice a detail about your cage. On the edge of your cage, at one point, there seems to be a sort of box that's built in, like it's got two uh, little gates. It's not very big. It's about... It's going to put the food there, right? The gloop. It takes this key. I'm looking forward to this. It turns a lock. It lifts the gate. It pushes the bowl in. It locks the gate again. Then it does something else, and the little gate on the inside of your box pops open, and you can access the nutrition... They're in. <laughs> yum, yum. Okay, well, I will smell anything. Is it edible? It looks sort of edible. It looks a little bit wriggly. Got it's a sort rat's of eyeballs in Yeah, let's add a couple of... Goat's eyeball. Yeah. It's more like a sort of pap or gruel. Thin prison gruel. But in it, there are some small wiggly Worms. elements. They're not green. They're like maggots or something. Grubs. Oh, or something. God, they're just no. sort of oh, right. in it. Hungry. You hear a I laugh. You hear a creaking, almost ancient-sounding laugh echo down the tunnel that this thing has come through. <laughs> Don't worry, brother. They won't harm you. They're not that kind of worm. <laughs> Brother? Brother, yes, brother. Young Bugraft. We need to keep up yours. Is that Luckpod? <laughs> Grimbold's father? Luckpod. 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 You're alive. A Thank name God. I've I not thought, heard I thought you were. Uh, I've gone to get help. Enough of your honeyed words, Bugraft. What? You can't wrap me around your finger. It's the last time you betrayed me. I I've got on. It turned out that you did me fever, Bugraft. Anyway, it's not up to me anymore. Much though I take pleasure in your predicament. <laughs> because Mother, Mother has got plans for you. Then when she's finished with you, then I get you. And I have plans for you as well. Plans that I have been cooking up for a long time. You mean our time. Mother? Our Mother is long dead. I Our should mother, imagine blood that graft. Our mother, um, <laughs> flog mob, flog graft, the beautiful, is <laughs> long, is long dead. Oh, I'm talking about the other mother, the mother that rules us all, Mother Maggot. <laughs> anyway, eat up your breakfast. You'll need your strength. Those little things won't do you any harm. Don't worry. All the harm will come to you later. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I'm vegetarian. I, I can't possibly eat this. There's no answer from up the cavern. Uh, the automaton uh, stomps off and you're left in darkness again. Still contemplating your pap. The sound of the clock ticks on in the background. You might even detect 
slightest sound of a sort of snore coming from up in that corridor. I carry on with my ritual. Yeah, do you want to eat your stuff or not? No, I You're not going to eat it. Okay, you put it to one side. But I will use it as bait to try and get the rat after my... uh, Yeah. Speak with animals ritual. Ten minutes. If you lie there long enough, you can hear the scrabbling sound of a creature or something getting a little bit closer. So come here. I have some food for you. Do you hear the scrabbling of a creature getting a little bit closer? I've got some food for you here, if you can help me. In ratish. Food here. You can help me. I need information. <laughs> food is that ratish? Oh. You hear, from a distance, food. i got a food. Food here. Come and get it. If you can help me, I need some information. You can hear a little scrabbling getting a little bit closer. Hello. What are you up there? What's your name? Cheeseman. Cheeseman? Oh, hello, Cheeseman. Cheeseman. Good afternoon. My name's Bugraft. Ah, do you like bugs as much as I like cheese? Uh, um, not particularly. Anyway, some nice grub here. Very fine grub. Is there any cheese? Is there any cheese in it? <laughs> cheese? There's no cheese. It's all that stuff with the worms. No, I don't like that. I don't know. It's a bit of a surprise. Help me first, and I'll give you some. How can I help you? Well, I am um, stuck in this. Have you seen a bag and an axe somewhere? Uh, um, bag and an axe. Bag and an axe. <laughs> We're going to assume that this rat is intelligent enough to understand this stuff because I can't do, be bothered. Do you think you could gnaw through the rope? You and your mates gnaw through the rope. Rope? What rope? The cage. The, the bars of the cage. Up there? How do we get up there? We just oh, climb up the I wall can't. and then along the rope and then down to the top of the I might be able to make it. Oh, there's quite a lot of grub here. Mmm, smells really good. It's that stuff, isn't it? Oh, cheese is really what would swing everything for me. Cheese well, it might have nice. cheese in it. I can't see too well. It's a bit dark in here. It could have well, cheese. I can't get it could have cheese. Can you tip some out and fall down no, here? No, with no, us? no. You, where, where really, I uh, don't want to give the surprise away. It's, it's pretty good stuff. Don't want to waste it. Surprise? Okay. It smells just like the stuff they've always oh, got no, up there, no, no. and I've always been able to eat it. Anyway, it's full of wiggly worms. Your friend's going to come along and help me. I don't really have friends, so I'm more of a, I'm more of a lone operator. No colleagues, acquaintances. I tell you what, a strange creature that likes bugs. You find me some cheese, and I might be in a position to do you a favour. How does that sound? Uh, and then you hear the scrabbling of rats going away. Okay, well I'll try and break Yeah, you want to try and break the cage? Yeah, I'll try and break the cage. I'm pretty strong. What are you going to do? Sort of grab hold of a couple of the struts and try and Yeah, I mean I me might be only a strength. small hobbit, but I've got 18 strength. That's a natural 18 strength, yeah. And in fact, an I could yeah. start raging, which means I get advantage on strength checks. Yeah, do it. Uh, how many rages do I get? Should I risk one? Like every prison movie, you start going I can't take it anymore! No, I won't rage. I'll um, I'll try just with a normal roll. So I get plus nine on my strength rolls. Fifteen. Twenty-four. Okay, you like... Strain against these things, and they don't give at all. Give me an intelligence arcana check. Okay. Or just an intelligence check. Have you got any ranks in arcana? Fifteen. Fifteen. What does that end arcana up being? Arcana is um, minus one to fourteen. Fourteen is respectable. You think there's some sorcery at play here. This cage is much stronger than it looks like it should be. It looks like it's woven together in a kind of rather rough, homespun way. When you Mm. try and actually prise it open, it's like steel. You just can't get it to budge at all. You're completely stuck. Yeah. It's dark, of course, now. The automaton has gone. The rat has gone. And you realise that you're by yourself with your bowl of (laughs) maggoty pep. 
looks pretty grim. Pretty grim. What do you want to do? Do you want to eat your pap? Not really. I'll try and call the rat back. Are there any other? Okay. Uh, a beast, a bat. So I'll shout out shouting? in batish. What are you, sh- what are you shouting in I don't bat? know what a bat. <laughs> I think it's very high pitched. Is there a bat out there? Is there a bat? Is there a bat out there? There's some nice grub here. Oh, the chances are slim, but I'm going to make a roll. Oh, there's loads of bats caves. Well, we'll just see whether or not you pick up the attention of a bat. Here we go. Certainly not initially. You don't hear any responding bat noise. Oh, I'll try the rat again. You hear the rat go, Keep it down a bit. <laughs> Come back. I'm trying to be a tiny, awkward NPC up here. Out, I'll give you as much cheese as you want. <laughs> Cheeseman, look, I, I, I'll be honest about the, the grub. It's the stuff that you don't like. But I can get you cheese if I can get out of this bloody cage. I know you can get me cheese. Just get me out of this cage. I wasn't born yesterday. <laughs> I was born the day before, the day before. All right. Okay. I'm, I'm, not, I was... I'm not just a fresh, mewling little rat child. I've been here for a long time and I know that you can get me cheese because the prisoners that behave can they give me cheese. <laughs> can you tell me a bit about this cave system? Let's deal with things in the right order, shall we? Uh, lover of bugs? Let's go cheese and then chat and then maybe even favours. How does that sound? But I can't give you cheese, I'm afraid, until you get me out of here and then you can have as much cheese as you want. You will get cheese, creature, if you just bide your time. And then we can talk. How does that sound? Doesn't sound too good to me. Have you got a have you got a friend? Have you got a friend, Gloopman? <laughs> Gloopman? Is there a Gloopman in the cave? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Maggotty Porridge, yes, let me get him for you. You can hear him r- rattily whistling. Can rats whistle? I'm sure they can, they've got those teeth. And sort of scuttling off. Let's roll forward twenty-four hours. Do you eat your pap? No, I don't really want to eat that. Okay, it just sits there in its bowl. 24 hours, the automaton comes back with another bowl of pap. It looks at you expectantly, standing at the cage, holding the bowl of pap in one hand and the key in the other. Automaton, can you open the cage? It's just impassive. It's just looking at you like it's expecting you to do something. All right, something I'll or- open the my side of the cage thing, shove the bowl of pap, return it to the receptacle. Okay. Thing. It withdraws the old pap bowl. It looks at it, looks up at you, looks back at it. Cheese, I need. Cheese. It slides the new bowl into the little compartment, and you've got another bowl of pap. All right. It looks pretty much the same as yesterday's Okay, I pap. say to I will be cooperative with your master if you get me some cheese. You hear <laughs> from the corridor again. Oh, God, it's his voice again. <laughs> oh, brother. Brother. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, treats will come along, but you must eat your pap before we start to improve your rations. Cheese, indeed. Maybe, maybe like some pod, cheese. There's been be some terrible misunderstanding. <laughs> there's been some terrible misunderstanding. There's mis- been no misunderstanding, brother. I've had enough of your talk. And the more you try and persuade me otherwise, the further away any relief from this awful gruel is going to be. Do we understand each other? <laughs> Lokrod, I have news of Grimbold. Loveliest Grimbold. Never was a more beautiful boy brought into the world and then so desperately betrayed by his fellows. Including you, what? you nasty little piece of shit. What? Anyway, that's enough of my personal feelings. Let's have no more of your back chat. 
better you behave. Sooner the rations will improve. <laughs> and the automaton stomps out of the room. And it's not long before, as you're left in darkness, you hear the sound of snoring again. And you've got a new bowl of pap. Are there any worms in here? I mean, like green worms. What, in the pap or in the room? In the pap. It just looks like maggots. Pretend to eat it and then pour it down the hole. That's okay, well, you, a, can, you can let it just slop through the gaps in the grating of the floor of the cage. Okay, it spatters onto the floor. And I go, hmm, actually, this isn't so bad after all. Okay, fine. Yeah, there's no reaction. You're lying in the dark. What do you want to do? I'll shout out, I can tell you about the coming of the Age of Worms. <laughs> <laughs> Laughter echoes down the passageway. I know all about the Age of Worms, young Bycroft. <laughs> Is that much you can tell me about that? It's rather the source of all my thoughts and hopes, I have to say. <laughs> In fact, the longer you're here, the further we advance our plans. <laughs> you behave like a good young brother, Bugraft is. I might find it in my heart to forgive you, but first, of course, Mother would like to do with you. And then you hear sort of settling sounds and maybe some snoring. I'll try and climb to the top of the cage. Yeah. Can you give me a climb check? Athletics or acrobatics? Climb. It's athletics. Athletics, so I add nine to that, so 17. Okay, well, you can easily hand over hand up the struts, the inside of the cage. You get to the top in the dark, you can have a bit of a feel around. It feels pretty solid up there. There's like a a loop that seems to be completely contiguous with the cage. And then through that is the link of a very heavy, you presume, iron or something chain. I think you can probably reach just far enough up with your tiny little hobbity arms to follow that chain up a couple of links. And you know from when you could see before that that chain is then in turn tied to a kind of creaking, slightly more homespun looking rope that then runs through a... Doesn't look like there's much of an opportunity there. I'll start swinging the cage violently. Okay. Eventually it starts to sort of creak and make quite a bit of noise. A voice comes down the corridor again. They all struggle at the beginning. The best thing to do, brother, is just to settle down. And everything will come to a natural conclusion in time. (laughs) Ilthane, does that mean anything to you? <laughs> Faithful servant of the cause. I believe that either you or your horrible friends have something to do with her demise. Anyway, I think you've paid a nasty little price for fiddling about in her affairs. <laughs> the banquet, is, I say. This is killing me. Zeech's banquet. Zeech's banquet. <laughs> yes, yes, I know all about it. Yes, yes. Mother will be there, of course. Yes, but you don't know what we're going to do, and I will tell you what we'll do if you let me out this cage. Oh, that's very interesting, Bugraft. Why don't we talk about it in, I don't know, <laughs> a year? <laughs> Whenever Mother decides to enact her plans for you. <laughs> I have some worms I can give you. Some experimental worms. The ones in your bag of holding? <laughs> Yes. Oh, we have them. <laughs> yes, uh, not that interesting. <laughs> okay. I suppose I better start eating this disgusting gruel. I'm, I don't really want to, though. Why don't we roll through? Really, the pattern of life doesn't change, Buggy. Certainly not in the first week, anyway. Week? Uh, all right, I'll start eating the gruel, then. I'll fish the maggots out. 
that's where the most nutrition is but that's absolutely up to you it certainly does seem to have some kind of nutritional effect and there's a side effect which turns out to be a bit of a virtue which is that what comes out of you goes more easily through the gaps in the cage floor <laughs> that first week buggy sliced into individual seconds by the relentless ticking of that clock you have nothing to do you might hear the occasional squeak of the rat scribbling about but never comes particularly close the automaton trudges into view once a day dimly lighting up your surroundings it's becoming increasingly unpleasant where you are because of you know the natural processes of biology mm. At the end of the first week when the automaton comes to visit you there's something sitting on top of the pap that it delivers it's a sort of block it's about cheap. the size of a matchbox it doesn't smell very nice but you could maybe potentially describe it as cheese Cheeseman. It's just Cheeseman sitting there on there. top of the stuff. Are you casting the ritual? Yes. Cheeseman. I have some cheese. The maggots also look interested in this little block of stuff. All right. Well, I, I fish the maggots out and call out. Cheeseman. Cheeseman returns. Oh. I've forgotten Cheeseman's voice. Oh, I'll do. Yeah. The lover of bugs. Have you got any news for me on the cheese? Yes, front? I have some cheese here, Cheeseman. Aha. Let's have a look. Let's have a look. Could you throw a tiny crumb? the cheese down onto the floor so oh. I can investigate it. How can I trust you that you really do have cheese? See it? Spin it. Now gnaw through the okay. rope. Oh, oh, one second. Hold up. Oh, I can spin it. Yes, yes. I, oh, I don't think we can gnaw through. Maybe I could perform another service for you. Could find my bag. Bag, you say? Here it is. Oh, there's all sorts down here. Well, if you wait, can you wait there ten minutes while I just wait there ten minutes and you'll get your cheese? Oh, well, there's cheese at the end, but I really do. I'm taking it on trust. That Although I can detect the slight odour of something cheese-like, I must confess. Okay, is he going to wait there? Ten minutes, I'll start doing the beast sense. Rich. Okay, well, now you can see through Cheeseman's eyes. And then eyes. I touch it. I have to touch him, and then I can see through his senses. He'll have to clamber up. I can make it. I can make it. So you're going to push the cheese, like, through a little... Yeah. Through the top, And while I, I do, I'll touch him. You'll have to clamber up. Yeah. The cheeseman has to make it to the top of the cage. He'll be able to smell the cheese and you'll be, <laughs> if you'll excuse the expression, <laughs> you'll be able to touch him and impart his senses onto you. Is that basically what you're yeah, trying to do? Yeah, uh, you touch a winning beast for the duration of the roll, spell, though. which is one, up to one hour concentration. Yeah, okay. Right, I can eyes, yeah, ears. Yeah. Cheeseman can make it to a point where he can get to a little outcropping and make a jump for the cage. He gets purchase. Oh, you have got cheese in there. You have. Here it is. <laughs> Told you. Oh, it's cheese. all sorts. Doesn't smell very nice. You don't smell very nice. But it's then I cheese. Like it's mature rat. cheese. Oh. Does never smells give it, very give nice. It, give it. Okay, give it, tap give him. It. Okay, tap him. Well, you've got his. And I snatch the cheese away when I'm doing it. Oh, I feel cheated. I, can't, I don't understand now because. <laughs> The other, the other concentration spell stops, so he might squeal as much as he wants, but I don't understand him. It squeaks and chatters at you. It looks cross. Oh, I can now feel it's cross. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, you can feel it. You can feel its anger. I'll give him a tiny bit of cheese. I'll give him a bit of the cheese. Oh, okay. Well, that pacifies Just him a, a bit. bit. It resists the urge to sink its giant rodentine teeth into the end of your finger. It scuttles down down onto the floor and then it starts scuttling off and you can see through its eyes and what i'm going to do is we're going to follow the the little progression of this rat as it runs around the complex we're going to roll randomly sort of to see where it goes and what it sees you happy with all of that yeah it heads up the passageway that you've seen a little bit of already 
interspersed up this passageway seem to be weird little kind of lanterns that are issuing a strange greenish glow. They look like they're wear lights or some kind of everlasting something. The passageway goes north and it opens out into a big chamber that this little rat scuttles out into. Move the little rat figure. There's a fire. The dim glowing embers of a fire in the centre. There's a couple of chairs pulled up by the fire. There's the automaton standing impassively by the fire. Above the fire, there's a sort of barrel that looks like it must be a barrel of pap. There's some chests up against the wall. There's a ledge on the far side of the cave, and on that ledge, there's a bed. And in that bed, wearing a nightcap and asleep, is your brother, Lugpod. Lugpod is clearly some form of ghoul. In fact, what Lugpod looks like is in the Spire of Long Shadows, in the Ziggurat, you encountered some... I think we described them as worm callers, priests of Kios. He looks like that. That's what he looks like. Oh, they were very, very nice. I can't remember what they did. At the foot of the bed, up against the wall, there is a grandfather clock ticking away. Can you remind me what, because it was only a few weeks ago for a graft, what they did? They seemed to cast nasty spells. They seemed to be able to heal themselves by being in contact with worms. And they seemed to be able to attack with a weird slashing darkness effect that they could do at range. That's what you remember. Now, I'm going to make a roll, see what the rat does next. Any uh, exits? Yeah, there's an exit round the corner to the south and there's an exit to the left, but it's going to take the exit to the left. The rat squeaks off through an opening that leads off to the west of Lugpod's little bedchamber. Yeah. Scuttles down a passageway that heads off to the west and sort of slightly curves away down to the south. Yeah. As it scuttles along, there's another passageway to the north. Standing Swords in the mouth the of Kios. this passageway is a, what looks exactly like one of those that yeah. you fought in the Spire of Long Shadows. Yeah. It's standing impassively, frozen in place almost. A short distance behind it, the passage ends and there is a mirror mounted on the cavern wall at the far end of this, as it were, dead end of a little passage. Not on one of these obsidian stands. No, it's not just a teleportation a, just like a device. Regular looking, well, you don't know, but it's just a regular looking mirror. Right. You get the sense that the rat is actively avoiding that passageway and hugging the southern wall. And the rat, for the moment, it's going to keep going. The rat goes into this extraordinary cavern, much larger than the cavern that you're imprisoned in. The cavern is full of garbage, broken crates and barrels and planks and stuff. Obscured under all this junk, there's some sort of depiction of the solar system, the Tonge solar system, as you understand it from the orrery. Yeah. In the centre of the cavern, on the floor, there is a depiction of the sun, Tonge. And then there's a depiction of all of the planets out in order. Workerby, Genius, Hearth, Marks, Satnav, Superty, Theme Tune, Myanus, and the Hero of Spang. It looks like they've been slightly scratched over as well. Yeah. But one thing that you notice... This is something that we've not got into, but something that Buggy would know, is that each planet is associated with a deity. On the walls lined up around this cavern, as the rat sniffs about, you can see that each of the deities is depicted level with their respective planet. Readers, you just have to imagine how this works, but lined up with Workerby on the wall, there is a depiction of Nud Flunderbucket, the Lord of Thieves and Fools, and working our way round. A peach, the symbol of Debra Cadabra, is lined up with Genius, a scythe, the symbol of Winsim, filler of cupboards, 
is associated with hearth. A fist, associated with thump, the god of war and fighting, is associated with marks. An ear trumpet is associated with the deaf watchmaker, with satnav, associated with Asupati, the planet of storms. There is the white bear depiction of Erisi Bearclaw on the far extreme southern wall of this cavern. You can see where I'm going with this. Lined up with theme tune is the flame, which is the symbol of I can't remember who. That <laughs> <the moment. laughs> Give me a second. Let me get my gods list. Oh, yeah, sorry. The symbol of the circle, the god of travellers. Then there's a, a bell, the symbol of the standing wave, lined up with my anus. And then finally, <laughs> lined up with the symbol of the hero of Spang on the floor, there is the symbol of the Grey Woodsman, an axe embedded in a tree stump. The yes. far southern corner of this chamber, it's collapsed in rubble, but issuing rather ominously through the gaps in that rubble seems to be some sort of green gas that is dispersing as it enters the chamber the rat i'm gonna roll the dice to see what it does next okay it hangs around in this chamber for a bit stays away from the green gas it's more gas coming in as it filling the room it's like the the steam from a kettle at the source you can make it out not far from the source it disperses so much that you can no longer make it out okay the rat oh the rat decides to leave wanders back past the kiosk night and the corridor with the mirror back through into the main chamber it's across with you it's not going to go south it keeps going across the chamber and then it has to decide let me just break a quick roll see which way it goes uh it hangs around in this chamber for a bit it's quite interested in a box on the floor next to the barrel which it smells like the pap is in and the box has got a very rudimentary little lock on it the cheese box Maybe it's the cheese box. It hangs around there for a bit. Let me just roll another minute and let's see what it does now. Okay, a one. It heads directly south into an area that you've not seen before. Another rough, cavern-y passageway. It can see, so you can see, a larger chamber opening up to your south. There's a weird green glow coming from that direction. There's a passageway off to its left. I'm not going to make a roll. It ignores that passageway. There is a, a little stub chamber, like a dead end. At the far end of that chamber, looks like there's this green gas issuing into the caverns. The rat keeps going south, and it squeaks its way into a chamber. First thing, Uncle Buggy, is that you can see that the cavern is two levels. Near the entrance, there's an area that's raised almost like a mezzanine, and then you can see that it drops off, and there's a weird green glow coming over the edge of that drop-off. On the mezzanine level, you can see there's all sorts of junk. To the rat's left, there's weird little bits of metal and stuff. It may be things that are part of an automaton or maybe bits that have fallen off it. Wire and screws and that kind of stuff. Off to the right, Uncle Buggy, you can see in a pile up on a rock by the wall, your stuff. Yes. Axe of the Grey Woodsman propped up against the wall. You can see your horrible clothes, your gear, your equipment, and you can see your bag of holding sitting there. Bag of holding looks weird. It looks like it's oscillating somewhat. Oh. The rat wanders its way across the mezzanine towards the lip down into the lower bit. As it gets there, rising from the recessed darkness down over the edge of this shelf, a great green skull moves into view glaring, sweeping its gaze left and right around the chamber. And we'll find out what that skull means. Whether or not you can persuade Cheeseman to help you get your gear. Whether or not there's any form of escape for you. 
when we pick things up next week, Johnny. Yeah, that's good. The Billowing Hilltop podcast is a Billowing Hilltop production. Dungeons and Dragons is a trademark of Wizards of the Coast. The Prince of Red Hand and Age of Worms are copyright Paizo. The Prince of Red Hand was written by Richard Pett. Music is from Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com and is used with thanks under the Creative Commons license. Additional music and sound effects come from the wonderful Sirenscape. All other original material is copyright Billowing Hilltop. Role-playing games are all about getting people together and we use Roll20 as our tabletop, the perfect place to host your game and Discord to host our chat. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.